senorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay Welcome to the first episode of the Squats and Margaritas podcast. I'm Erin Washington. If you follow my Instagram, you know that I have a lot to say <laughs> about life, about kids, about taking care of yourself. I struggled for two decades. Eating disorders, depression, no self-confidence. I finally turned things around at 37 by living life with balance. Squats and margaritas. And for this episode, I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to my first Squats and Margaritas guest. She's hilarious. She's outspoken. She's authentic. From drug addiction, jail time, Tiffany Jenkins shares it all. Now, it may sound a little different because I actually got a chance to talk with her on Instagram Live. Let's get into it right now. Best-selling author and recovering addict Tiffany Jenkins joins me on the first episode of Squats and Margaritas. I'm happy to be here. Um... I don't know if you remember this, but um, like a year and a half, we chatted when I made an asshole comment on your live and you were so kind to me. You don't remember that, this? I do, but that wasn't an a-hole comment at all. Okay. You don't know. So just, you, for anybody that doesn't know, you said something about why should I be working out and I'm like, work out so you can drink. And you saw it, which <laughs> out of all the comments that you probably get, like, I couldn't even believe you saw it. And you're like, Spots and Margarita said, work out so I can drink. Well, I'm sober, so. And I was like, oh, my God. And I messaged you, and I was like, I feel like such an idiot. I'm oh so sorry. And you were so kind. And we're like, I think you said, because I can't handle my alcohol doesn't mean that I expect people to never bring up drinking. Exactly. Feel, but I just felt like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No. Well, you don't, like, assume that somebody <laughs> ends up in ditches and like at weird dudes' houses when they drink. Yeah, we like, need a lesson for anybody that doesn't know. We need to tell your story because yeah. I have some questions. We have a lot more in common than I think you even know. You were okay. So you're a high school cheerleader. Then mm -hmm. your seventeen senior year. What happened? Um, I I had a sip of alcohol and that was all it took. I had gone up until that point without drinking, and on this day in particular, I said yes to a drink and it changed everything. It just made me feel numb for the first time. I didn't feel awkward or, you know, anxious or out of place. I felt nothing. And I loved that feeling so much mm -hmm. um, that like I chased it and the alcohol turned into other things and just escalated. And then that was when I found my drug of choice, which was ultimately the pills. Yeah. And so um, I am, you know, as of today, I have seven and a half years clean and that means that I can't drink because it's the same thing. I have this thing where like, if I start, I can't stop. There's no on and off switch. Like most people can have some cocktails and be like, this is fun. And you know, this is, and then know like when to stop. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. like, I just can't. I'm like, this night is not ending until <laughs> I'm <laughs> fighting somebody or ripping my shirt off. Like, <laughs> It was really bad. Um, and the first time I went to rehab, I remember I even said, like, um, just so you guys know, my problem is the pills. It's not the alcohol. So I will be celebrating with a drink when I graduate. And that's exactly what I did when I graduated rehab. I was celebrated by drinking. And then that's not how it works. So. Yeah, because when you have an obsessive personality, I think you can be obsessed with food. You can be obsessed with I think you said like Netflix, you start watching Netflix and you can't stop. I have a question. Yep. What is your birth order? We, are you by any chance firstborn or only child? I, I was firstborn. Okay. I, like from my, my mom. It's my, my theory. I also was firstborn 
and so I don't, you didn't finish, but you can't, 10, 10 years, you struggle with drug addiction. Yeah. For 10 years, I struggle with bulimia and I hid it from everyone. Like no one had a clue, really? but I had this like perfectionist personality. And I believe like firstborns are only children. Like none of my, I have three younger sisters and nobody struggled like I did. Um, but oh. I was thinking like when you were high school cheerleader, did you have sort of like a perfectionism and almost like a, like we both have anxiety, like just like a, just wanting to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. When you were numb, you didn't have that pressure anymore. And yeah. that was kind of like what bulimia was for me. So we have a ton in common. Wow. And I was hoping you would say you were first born because if you didn't, I'd be like, well, then that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> this is awkward. No, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was definitely, for, well, my dad though was like sprinkling kids all over the USA, <laughs> but my mom, I was first out of her. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm and saying? You met your husband, now husband, when you were in a halfway house. And yes. Got pregnant two months later. Yes. Wow. Then, you did oh, your yeah. research. Because I was like, and then you had another baby after, like, so you were in a halfway house coming out of rehab. And then mm -hmm. you were married, mom of three, two years later, like within two years. Yep. Absolutely. Like, I, I got pregnant two months after um, meeting this guy. And then three guy. months after I. <laughs> After that, we were at the altar getting hitched because <laughs> why not do that? Why not? Um, and then, yeah, when my son was six months old, I found out I was pregnant with Chloe. Oh, my God. And did that, you, was that the turning point? Like, just because you were going to be a mom? That you were like, it, I have to be? It kind of, I already had a pretty good solid foundation of recovery at that point. I, I mean, I had 10 months clean, which for me at the time was huge. I had never done that. And I knew where I wanted to go. And um, finding out that I was pregnant just kind of solidified the fact. Validify? What? What's the you word? Validate. Re reiterated. Yeah. <laughs> Any of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that I had to keep going. And, um, and yeah, I just, I never, I didn't have anything to offer this kid. Like I said I was in a halfway house and I didn't have a job or a car. Like I had nothing, but I was like, this just feels right. Let's do it. Let's go, you know? And so we did. And luckily he stuck around and my son's <laughs> getting ready to start kindergarten in a couple of days. Is and going, have you um, call? We're going to give it a shot. Okay. Nobody come for me though. Like I know that people <laughs> have opinions about it and I, I, I respect everyone's opinion right. about it. Um, this this is our choice, and he may be getting sent home in a week because the school's going to shut down. Who knows? But I'm going to try. I I want to try, and we're going to do all the safety stuff and precautions. And yeah, so and how you said so? Kindergarten is he five, six? He's five. He'll be uh, six next month. We we're born on the same day. He, really? Yeah, he's first born, so That's I worry crazy. about him all the time. Well, and he's a, I, I had a girl first, and I really yeah. worry about her with like body image and eating disorders and everything that I, cause it is genetic. Um, and then Perfect. I had my son who is a psychopath, the cutest thing you've ever seen, but like I had a girl first and just like how different are yours like completely different the way they just act and process things. And like my daughter will go sit on a chair. My son will climb it, put it in his mouth, knock it down <laughs> and just they're completely different. Dude, that's so weird, though. It's like, it's got to be something with birth order. Seriously, because oh. 
It's the opposite. Like my son, he is so cautious and he overthinks everything and he, he worries and he's, he's very weary. My daughter will run full speed into the fireplace and just like, (laughs) she does not care. She's, and she's the cutest frigging thing. I think that they're made extra cute so that you don't, you can tolerate, don't send drop kick them out the front door. (laughs) So my, my oldest, everything's too loud and she's just very like like yeah and i'm like what it's not even and he is just a wild man so okay so it's birth order it's not boys versus girls it's gotta be because because that's how surprisingly that's how it was with me and my sister too i was the calm trepidatious like anxious like um mature one and my sister was so wild like crazy everybody she used to call herself like the black sheep yeah and um it's so we always talk about how ironic it is that i'm the felon out of the two of us because (laughs) i was like the good one all the time right so you didn't get into your felonies but i feel like just i know everybody on here probably follows you and know but just so you struggle with drugs for 10 years and then what was like the breaking point what happened yeah i didn't well i didn't know how like deep you wanted to go because i didn't want to like kill everybody's buzz with a story about how i'm the lush like so many people (laughs) resonate with that because you actually share I'm sure people on here went to jail. Just nobody says it. <laughs> Tell True. Us. Yeah. So I was, I was in a relationship with a deputy sheriff at the time of my arrest. Um, we had been together for a couple of years. And initially I thought that it would be like a good plan um, to get with a deputy because at that point I hadn't relapsed on the pills. It was just the drinking. And I thought that, it would be him being a cop would be enough to get me to not relapse, but I did. And so, um, I ended up just hiding it from him. I was, I was so sick and I, and I loved who he was and he provided and he was so stable and I needed that so bad Mm -hmm. that I was like desperate not to lose it. So I started making really bad choices to support my habit. And, um, I ended up breaking the law. And so I got arrested with around 20 felonies um, give or take, cause there was some added a couple of days later and, um, but yeah, so I, I spent 120 days in jail and it was so weird because everybody that was coming in and out of there, it was like, you kind of adapt to where you're at. Like at first it was so traumatizing and I was so sick and I was detoxing and I wanted to die. And I tried to die. Actually, I, I tried to end my life. I know that's heavy, but no, it, I know I, I read that. No. Yeah. Did you read the book? Yeah. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm a super fan, girl. <laughs> Thank you. That's so, so nice. No, oh, I know you did. And they caught you. Like, they found someone stopped you. Yeah. And, I like, I had a foolproof plan, I thought, because I was so sure I wanted to go. Like, the world was too hard, and it was too heavy, and I didn't know how to live without drugs and alcohol. And I didn't think that I would ever be able to stop. Like, it just felt pointless and and so i had to go i had to be done i couldn't take another minute in this body is how i felt and so yeah so i tried and and they found me and i was so mad i was so angry because i was like listen man this isn't fair you're not gonna live my life for me so how dare you make me stay when i don't want to like it felt so unfair um and of course i didn't know then all the amazing things that were coming my way in sobriety and i'm very grateful that they found me and your pregnancy i just feel like you getting pregnant with your son and being like 
like you said, I'm in a halfway house. Like I have nothing to provide him. Like that was like the sign, like you got this or something else. Yeah. And do you feel like if you didn't go through that, you would be like where you are now with like doing what you're doing with this following. Like it was the push. I feel, I'm not gonna tell you it was a push. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, the whole thing came from me trying to balance like motherhood and sobriety and marriage and stuff. So if I wouldn't have gotten pregnant, I, I probably wouldn't have made videos and stuff. I don't know yeah. where I'd be. I, I start thinking about it. And then I'm like, there's just literally no way yeah. of knowing where I would be, but everything happened so perfectly. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything fell into place and, and not, you know, nothing's perfect, but for me and what I needed, it, it was perfect. Um, yeah. And my daughter, uh, my son's five, my daughter's four. And um, my bonus daughter, Aubrey, she mm -hmm. is going to be 10. She was uh, three. She had just turned three when I came into her life. And it was so much. And it was so overwhelming. And like, I'm just looking at my kid today. He got a haircut because he's graduating VPK. And I'm like, I just had you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> what the frig is going on, dude? But yeah, so after um, jail, I went to rehab because my brain is messed up and I have tried so many times myself to fix it and I couldn't. So I knew I needed help. And, and so I went to a six month residential treatment program and I lived there for six months. And then I went directly to a halfway house because halfway houses are cool because like generally when you're addicted to drugs or you're an alcoholic, you lose everything. Um, all your money, all your relationships for the most part, if it, if it gets bad enough, which is where I was. And so I had nowhere to go anyway. And so when I'm starting over, I went from rehab to the halfway house because you can like slowly but surely get back on your feet. Yeah. And so they provide you with a room and you're in a house with a bunch of other people in recovery and you're required to go to a meeting per day. And it was like, I was tiptoeing into the real world with the help of all these people from the halfway house. And so even though I was pregnant and married, I continued living at that halfway house Yeah, because I wasn't done like learning how to live just because. No. And it was like stability. Like you had your meeting every day. Like I'm sure you were thriving there. Like it, it yeah. would be scary to go back on your own. And yeah, I, I don't know how you did this quarantine. I couldn't, I couldn't go a day in quarantine without having cocktails. And I, maybe that makes me an alcoholic. I can't even imagine. Like, no. I can see myself pouring cocktails every like day a little bit earlier. I have two toddlers. We've been here since March. And I cannot even imagine doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. Just being clean and sober during this time in the world. Well, everybody has different coping mechanisms. You know what I mean? Different stuff that they automatically reach for to be like, okay, I need a break. I need, yeah. I need pause. I need to feel better in this moment. And yeah. so for my whole life, it was the drugs and the alcohol. Like that was it. But if I was happy, I would celebrate with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. If, if I was upset, I would turn to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And, but there was no on and off switch for me. So, um, but now it's like, I've learned so much through rehab and through the halfway house and through uh, d listening to different people who are doing it. And so I have all kinds of weird coping mechanisms that I reach for in those moments. And the, like the most important of which is just removing myself from whatever situation, stressing me out if I can and breathing. And it sounds yeah. so stupid, but my anxiety makes it feel like the world is ending in that moment and I can't breathe. And so just re removing myself and being like, Hey, it's anxiety and it's so temporary. You're going to be fine. Just breathe. And knowing like how to take care of myself in those moments has changed everything. Don't get it twisted though. Like I still reach for donuts every <laughs> effing night. As soon as the sun goes down, I, 
I don't know if you'll be happy to hear this or not, but knowing like your lifestyle and how you are and stuff. No, I, I got a personal trainer and, um, he has made like, okay. I would get your leg, uh, the other day, (laughs) usually (laughs) I see you like this and you did some, you were doing like a dramatic scene with somebody from TikTok and you Uh walked in and I was like, okay, your legs (laughs) look amazing. You're, you're yeah. oh, you look amazing. I never Thanks. seen that. Everybody, because I have a huge head in general. <laughs> and so everybody only ever sees me <laughs> from here. And that's what people say, like, when they first see me, they're like, you're smaller than I thought. And it's not because of a personal trainer. It's just because, like, my head to body ratio is completely disproportionate. <laughs> but also, it has gotten better since I've been working with this guy. Nice. And um, so he's got me on like this meal plan and these specific supplements and stuff. And the accountability has been huge for me. Um, but, but like, I will kill it all day, nice. all day. Yeah. And then the minute my husband's asleep and everybody's <laughs> asleep, I'm like, I'll just go get a snack. My husband will never know. He'll think I'm still doing great. My <laughs> trainer will never know. And it's like, I have this battle with myself and it reminds me so much of my addiction because once I start thinking about it, I can't stop. I'm like obsessing about it. I know. But I, 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 I talking about a picture of the, of you at the lake with your sister. Damn. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you look great. I didn't Thank even you. know. Like, I just thought I haven't seen your, you. You're always like, it's just your head. Like I've never seen your body. You walked in. I was like, you look amazing. And Thank you. you. Feel good. Yes. I feel like it's not even just, obviously there's like physical benefits to working out, but if I don't get a workout in mentally dealing with two, yeah, I have a four and a half year old and a two year old. Oh I, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're quarantined. So wow. if I don't get that time mentally, spiritually, like just go listen to my playlist and just, be by myself and not have somebody needing me for a second. Like I need it more mentally than physically. There's physical benefits to working out, but I feel so much better when I get a workout in. Yeah. Okay. That's what people say, but I've never <laughs> experienced that. I haven't. If I'm being honest, like you I don't feel good after a workout. No, no. I feel like I'm dying. Like someone needs to call an ambulance. <laughs> it's never. And I'm not trying. I know that's like a no, huge part of everything but like I don't I dread it going and I think it's the kind of working out that I'm doing because it's mostly like freaking cardio plyometric like jump around and use your body weight stuff hate it but when I'm when I lift weights I feel like a beast and I could do that all day every day if it was if somebody would let me like I love that I feel great but but I don't when I I don't like working out before, during, or after. (laughs) Like, maybe for, like, a few minutes after, I'm like, cool, I did that. I'm really proud of myself. But then it goes back to, oh, my God, I have to do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I would say, well, lifting kind of changed my body. I played soccer my whole life through Division I soccer in college. And then it was always about cardio, cardio, cardio. I am 20 pounds lighter than I was before I had my kids. And now I just lift. And I feel like women are taught like, like sweat and, you know, do your cardio. You don't want to bulk up and lift. When I started lifting heavy, that's when my body changed. And now I feel like I can eat what I want because my metabolism turned back on. Like lifting heavy changed everything for me. And if you enjoy that anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell, I'm not a trainer. I'm not a professor. I'm not a nutritionist. I know like, really, but no, no, nothing. I just learned. I finally stop i have the same we're first born i have the same obsessive personality so 
I would always, I was working out seven days a week, sometimes two a day. Before my wedding, I was in two a days eating this weird cabbage soup that I found, and <laughs> totally stressing my body obsession. And I weigh less now. And all I do, I eat all day long because my metabolism's moving, and I lift. And I found a, and I have cocktails daily because if I don't, I will quit on this balance plan and be like, I had a cocktail. I'll just start over on Monday. I'll just go off the wagon for the weekend and start mm -hmm. over. Balance is a lifestyle that you don't stop and start. So ever since I started living that way, like I can have a drink tonight. I'm going to work out this morning and stop obsessing and stressing. I'm telling you the weight fell off. And the more like research I did, when you're in a stress state, your body produces cortisol and that makes you hold on to fat. So I, even when I was working out every day or I would stress, we were on vacation and I didn't get a workout in, your body is stressing and holding on to it. When you just balance and I didn't get a workout in today, I'll get one in tomorrow. I had a donut at breakfast, so I'm not gonna have a chocolate chip cookie after lunch. And you just balance it through the day. That's what I wrote my book about, like everything changed. And I didn't figure out until I was 38 and had two kids. <gasps> so That gives me hope. I'm telling you. It's because so my knees are, I have old lady knees. Yeah. And then I feel like you're gonna get hurt. I don't want, I don't know. I don't know your trainer might be on here. <laughs> I just run out to the gym after this and I try to lift something really heavy and it falls on me. I'm like, <laughs> she said it was okay. Build up. But I'm telling you, so when I was lifting lighter because I just wanted to tone, no muscle tone in my body. I started lifting. Look at when you're in the gym next time, find the women with the best bodies. I'm telling, they're not on the treadmill. They're in the weight room. They're lifting right. because you will change your metabolism where you'll be hungry more often and your body will start burning again. I turned back on my metabolism. I was starving when I was just doing cardio because I wasn't eating enough to keep up with the cardio and my body went into starvation mode. Now I eat every couple hours, I'm actually hungry again and I lift heavy and I change my body. So, oh. but if you're working with the train, I mean your legs, <laughs> whatever you're doing is working. Thank so, you. But I, I hate that you don't feel like empowered and just like I am, when I get a workout in, whatever my son is bring, come look at this. Every time come look at this, it's bad. He's up on something. He's knocked something down. I don't stress it because I'm like, I got a workout in. I just get like this. I don't know. I hate that you're not experiencing that. Is it, is it possible that some people just aren't that way, like scientifically? Ooh, maybe. I don't, again, not a professional. Because I want to be. I'd I love know. to be. I just hate that for you because you get up and you get a workout in. Like, I want you to feel so great about it and want to do it the next day. I mean, I don't want to work out. Is but it the first thing you do? Hmm? Sorry. Is it the no. first thing you do in the morning? No, because, no. I tried. Um, the, well, it was. Quarantine is just. No, I, I don't work out first thing in the morning. My husband will typically take my kids, like, around 11 and just give me, like, an hour because Aww. there's no other time. And I, I'm just doing this. Like, that was another thing I was going to ask you. I don't know how you balance your brand and c creating content without making your kids feel like you're neglecting them. Because when I'm working on things, like, they're, I feel, I'll look up there. My daughter was literally ringing a bell this morning. And I was like, stop ringing the bell. And then I'm like, she's ringing the bell to get my attention because mm. I'm working. How do you balance that? I, not well. I feel so bad almost every day. And I know that mom guilt is a real thing, parenting guilt. But I have found that because, okay, so... For example, I started scheduling like my lives after the kids are in bed already because I was feeling so bad. Same. That's why I do this. Yeah. Time. Okay. Okay. And uh, and um and so my okay, I don't know if you know this, but my husband goes to the gym twice a day. Yeah, the son of a and so 
he is like Vin Diesel's and I'm like his weird hobbit wife, like running next to him at Target. And I, 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 I hate it. I hate going on public because I feel like people are like, oh, like you brought your grandma out with you for lunch today. That's so nice. Like I can't. And I see people checking him out. He looks so good. So anyway, he goes to the gym um, at night as well. And you bring the kids with you because they have like a little kitty class and all their best friends are in there. And so um, if I don't go, then my whole family's just gone bettering themselves and I'm at home. So that's when I work. Yeah. But still that, so that's why I'm overweight because I work (laughs) instead of going to the gym with them. It would be hard for me to work if I didn't get the benefit that I'm talking about that you're not feeling like I hate that for you because I have to get in a workout to get that, to make it through the day and feel like if I got my workout in, I'm good. If I didn't, like, I'm just constantly like, what? Just like agitated. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm not like consistent. Maybe if it became a routine and I did it every day, but I've gone through programs like T25. Do you know about Beachbody and stuff? I did T25. I've done two rounds. And I remember even then, like, I was like, I felt great about who I was and I, I was so happy, but then I I would like nap and just feel tired all the time. Still Mm -hmm. like, you eat like often or you eat three meals. There's like five things, but like, like, (laughs) I think that you eat only five things in my head. I picture it Um, in like, there's three meals that include like chicken veggies and then rice. And then the other two are like a breakfast with like oatmeal and whatever. And then somewhere in between the other meals, there's a yogurt blueberry situation. Wow. So you're totally clean. No, that's amazing. Uh But often like every couple hours, you don't go. I haven't timed it. I just, I suck. Do you feel hungry when you're about to eat? Or you just eat because it's time to eat on your plan? I just eat because I'm, like, hungry. But then sometimes okay. I'll, I'll find myself, like, skipping meals or going, like, five to six hours without anything just because I'm busy and it makes no sense. So maybe no. if I set alarms or something to eat, I would do it. That is exactly my – I wasn't hungry. And until I started eating at literally every two to three hours, I, I turned back on my metabolism. Now I, I could never – it, like, makes me laugh. I could never forget to eat. Because I'm hungry really? all the time. And I swear it's because I put muscle on my body and I started eating more often. And it's not what women are taught. Women are taught barely eat and do your cardio. And that's not, that failed me. So yeah. I figured out later in life, like my late 30s, lift heavy, eat often, and your metabolism will just start burning again. And then you're, you're hungry. I wasn't hungry before because I wasn't eating enough. So mm. I, I, mean, I, wasn't, I wasn't eating enough for how much I was doing cardio. Right. So my body was like, you're starving you're not hungry, we're shutting off. And then when I started eating every couple hours, you feel hungry again, you'll never forget to eat. And muscle, I don't know, ask your trainer. I don't know, I don't want you to come on here tomorrow and be like, he was like, you're, you have no idea what you're talking about, because I don't. No, yeah, it's pretty, I mean, you're pretty similar stuff. Um, and somebody just said, don't forget your water. And I'm not joking. Yes. I have not been drinking water, like hardly at all the past two days, because I've been like sick. So I've yeah. just been like, not doing what I'm supposed to. And my face feels so bloated and it doesn't scientifically make sense. But my person said it's because your body like holds on to yes. it. But you it's... when you start drinking, then it'll release it. Yeah. Well, I'm ready for it to release because <laughs> the bloated face with this pimple, it's that time of the month though. So I think that's why I'm like, that's also 
yeah. looking like a Sesame Street character right now. This time in the world, the time of the month, the time in the world, you're quarantined. Like, it's just crazy. Like, stress, that's how it shows itself. Um, but yeah, yeah, water is huge. Um, I wanted to tell, like, once you finally shared, you know, you kept all your struggles a secret, and I did the same. Once you shared your big secret and, like, were like, I'm an addict, me, I am bulimic, did you feel like that, like, almost like released, and now you share all the things? Is that like, because that's how I yeah. felt about it? Like, now I share probably way too much that I would never <laughs> share before because I shared the big thing. Now yeah. I'm like, oh, my period was really weird. Like, my husband's like, <laughs> like too much (laughs) sorry but you just feel comfortable i'm like look at this picture honey (laughs) does this look like a cyst to you i I, am 100 percent. okay i at first it was really weird for me like the first time i had to admit i was an addict i was in an interrogation room and it was super awkward wow and then like after even in jail i wasn't saying i was an addict like i was like i just want to get out and drink a beer um in the beginning and then in rehab they make you say it when you're in a meeting if you want to share and if you want to talk you have to say i'm tiffany and i'm an addict and it was super uncomfortable at first um i get it but 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 the moment like i started getting okay with it and sharing my truth it was so flippant freeing because i don't have to pretend to be anything that i'm not like i've made a lot of jokes since I've been on this live about my parents and stuff. But like, if the fact that I didn't even peek in the mirror before coming on here tells you anything, like I, everybody has seen me for me. I almost said inside and out and that would have been so creepy, but I mean, <laughs> they've seen like, they've seen, yeah, my x-rays <laughs> and um, it's just when you're 100% yourself, Yes. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. And the right people will appreciate you and the wrong people can go somewhere. And that is something that I'm learning um, slowly but surely because hate comments still get to me. Don't get me wrong. But, I was going to ask you that too. I yeah. really get to me. Like, how do you, do you acknowledge them or you just pretend like you don't see them? Or My friend C.A. Miljavik gave me amazing advice. And because there'll be no lie thousands of incredible uplifting comments and then one and then one son of a gun think about all the next day yeah and so like i was feeling the need to defend myself on every single one of these things (laughs) and fight for my honor and my friend said all right go ahead and respond to that comment but if you do then you have to respond to the five positive comments before it and the five positive comments after it wow and after that i was like okay maybe i'm not gonna do this then because (laughs) it really puts it into perspective like all these people are saying wonderful things but the only person who gets a response is the person who deserves it the least right and that really helped me. Okay. And um, also, I try really hard not to read the comments. Wow. I like, I'll read the top few um, when the videos or whatever first come out because I know that, like, the way that it's set up, like, the mo- all the people who are seeing it first are people who follow me and support me. And then once it starts getting more popular and shared outward, yeah. that's when all the weird random people are like, who is this man I on this that video? I 
Do, really? Somebody, I was doing this thing and I was squatting and doing workout and they're like, that's a woman. I thought it was a man. And I was like, yeah. all day. I'm like, like you took the time to write that. Like, and it bothered me. So yeah. One comment. It's so crazy. The world that we live in because you can literally sit in your mom's basement covered in Cheeto dust and ruin a successful person's whole entire day. <laughs> yeah. A person who's thriving and doing nothing but wonderful things for the people around them. You can destroy them by moving your fingertips a couple of inches. Yeah. It's and so not even stupid. know how much of an effect you have on that person. Like, I didn't respond, but I was like, it bothered me for days. I'm so glad that you're saying that. I yeah. have been following you from the beginning, but I, I truly can't remember, like, what was the post or the video that like went viral and like launched you where you were like, okay, oh. this is a thing. I thought you were going to say like, got me in the most trouble. No, I would also like that. I, okay. <laughs> I, the, it was the mom group video that really set it off. I made a video about <laughs> Facebook mommy support groups because at this time they were like super new and I had like a baby and the stuff that was going on in there was so wild. Everybody thought that they were like a gynecologist yeah. and like a doctor. And so somebody would like post about a rash and you'd get 90 million different comments about what's going on. But the way people said it, it's like, oh, that's Ebola. My son had it. You need to go to the ER right this second, like freaking all these people out. And so I just made a video poking fun about it and it got shared into a bunch of mom groups. Uh -huh which like launched it because it was like my concentrated demographic, which yeah. I didn't know at the time. Right. But would you end up niche. Yeah. It, those were the people who were like, I get it. And so that, that really is what set it off, I think. And, and I was so happy that people were digging it because I'm, I've always been such a ham and I've always loved the camera and acting and just being ridiculous. And so to find out that to be met with like love and laughter was like a dream come true. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, did you, I, you're on TikTok. I found TikTok during this quarantine time. And I also enjoy that. I feel like I can like express myself. And then do you feel like you, when you put something out and you're like, oh, this is going to kill. It's so good. And it just dies. Yeah. Something you're like, I can't even believe I just post that. And it goes viral. Does that happen with you? Where you're like, yeah. It's always this stuff. So crazy. It is. You, there's no rhyme or reason no. to TikTok whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it started off as like something fun that I was doing to pass the time. There's like no pressure because on all these other platforms, there's this pressure um, because it's become like my career. Yeah. Can you say a career? Because no, it's not it like is. there's a 401k or like guarantee. No. Like I could get kicked off the you internet. You make a living doing this. That's your career. Right. And so... So like with Facebook and stuff, it's there's there's this pressure. But on TikTok, it was like I could just like dance and it's fine. <laughs> that's how I feel. And so that's how I feel about it. I don't put too much thought into what I put out. I don't put a lot of effort at all, like ever. Uh, but when I do, like if I have to do my makeup for something else, I'll take advantage of it yes. and like make a million TikToks looking I so cute. I do all cute. my TikToks on Thursdays because I have my live. <laughs> that's so funny. Yes, it's called but matching it's your content. Yeah, it's a you smart move. Do it when you, if you're gonna, if you have like, mascara on, it's like knock out everything that you can. What did Richard say? I love your joy de vivre, joy for life. Is that French? I think that is joy for life. Yes. Ah, <laughs> that's nice. 
I hope that's what it means. What if it means like, I no. love your mozzarella <laughs> sticks. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> that's not it. It means joy for life. Okay. <laughs> and that is why you started your blog. Basically, like you started this whole like empire with a blog because you couldn't find anything that you related to on social media because everybody looks perfect. And now the person that has the most following is a person that's just real because that resonates with people. They don't feel alone and they see themselves in you. They just, they don't say it, but you do. And then they feel like they're okay. That's yeah. How I feel. <laughs> Thank you. That's huge. And no. that is what keeps me going, honestly, hearing stuff like that for real. Yeah. I, because, uh, yeah, I was super depressed after I had Chloe, I had postpartum depression and like, I didn't want to be a mom anymore. And I like, I resented the kids for existing. It was like dark. It was really bad. Like there's normal, like, Oh my gosh, this is hard. This sucks. But what I had was something different. It was like their voices were like nails on a chalkboard. I could not bond with Chloe because all she did was scream Mm -hmm. because she was like sick when she was born. And like, I say it all the time, but I don't care how good of a parent you are. If your kid is shrieking at you every time their eyeballs are open, like it's going to be really friggin' hard to bond. And so I was struggling and everybody on social media had their hair like curls in there. Like, yes. Hey, in their boho skirts, like looking so cute. And I was like, help, somebody help me. <laughs> like it was so bad. So that's what made me want to start writing and i'm so, so glad i did yeah oh my god everyone is so glad you did i can't believe you're here right now this is so exciting <laughs> i'm not that cool everybody get, you, you know are. i promise i'm not i'm just, just a normal person you can be that real because so many women when when i shared that i had you they're like oh my god she's so real a lot um, of women have problems like sharing their true self that like you it, you have to present a perfect persona because it's just like what you're you've been taught and until i like release myself from my secrets. And I, I would never share the things that I share now because it makes you look imperfect. Like I made rice last night and I was like, has anybody started to make rice and end up with grits and I'm sharing pictures <laughs> so terrible and I don't know what I'm doing, but like, and everybody else has a picture of their, their meal. And I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have like admitted that I messed up now, but it's like, life is so short. Why would you even pretend to be anything that you're not you don't know how long you're here. You can share who you are and that can resonate with someone else and it brings you closer to other people. It, I just, I found yes. recently and I feel like you lived your life the same way. Thank you. I, what is the point of receiving compliments on something that like isn't yours you. or isn't real? You know what I yes. mean? Like, what is the point of that? No, exactly. Like that, I, I don't filter my pictures because if somebody is like, oh my gosh, you look so beautiful. It's like, thanks. It's not my it's real the, face. Um, Paris Oslo. Yeah. Like three over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I do that, but I don't like face to. No, I know. I know. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> I do You're use filters. You're going to make a nice post, but. Yeah. Yeah. And then people are like, oh. Yeah. You look so. Yeah. Different. Right. But if, if you lead with the truth, then it's like yeah. a pleasant surprise. They're like, yeah. oh my gosh, you look smaller than I thought your big head was <laughs> on the internet. But I want to say something really quick. Yeah. I want to pre- I feel the need to explain because I don't want anyone sitting at their computers who use filters to be like, oh my gosh. No, I, I don't. No, no, no. I- because I don't mean that. And I've made videos about it and people came for me. And I understand the need the, or you feeling the need to do it because it's 2020 and everything is so filtered and so perfect. And I get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to tell anybody else what to do 
with their life or what makes them feel good. This is just for me. I have like a weird thing where I'm so afraid of people getting the wrong impression of me or disappointing people, which like stems from my childhood. No, I get it. So I always try to like just be who I am so that people aren't disappointed later on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I don't want to make anybody feel bad. No. And I I think just just because the the filter is there, like you take a picture, it may even look great, but you know that there's a filter that can make it look a little bit better. It's like, you just do it. Like it's there. But I mean, like there's these apps where Facetune, which I just discovered, I got so depressed because I was like, I'm just going to play with it for fun. And you can make your nose skinnier, higher, smooth it out, move up your eyebrows on your forehead, reduce your chin. And at the end I was like, okay, (laughs) looking good. But then you go back and forth and you get depressed about your real face. And that's why like, you've seen that where you could go. Yeah. But then like, you're a, like a public figure. Like people are going to meet you. If you go to speak somewhere, you can't be someone that you're not like, you have to put out a real. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that was my point. But yeah, do you if you a hey, if you yeah. want to do it, do it. It's because it's there, and you know it can make it look a little bit better. So it's like I'll just put a little. And then it probably it's just it's like plastic surgery. Like I'll do a little something, and then you just keep yeah. going, and then you're putting out something that looks nothing like you. And, and I'm I not against plastic surgery. I've had a breast reduction, and yeah. like I I'm not against people changing things to make them feel good. I just, I don't understand the celebrities who smooth out all of their cellulite before posting because the people who look up to them are like, dang, I look nothing like that. I suddenly hate who I am as a person. Yeah. And I I hate that. Yeah. Same. There needs to be more people that are just real and it resonates. When you look at your following, so you can, you can look at those perfectly manicured Instagram pages they don't have near the following that you do being real so if people would just realize that like what resonates with people is seeing yourself in the person and feeling connected to them and it doesn't need to be perfect like you've proven that like you're just real and everyone loves that (laughs) thank you not everyone but a lot and that's the thing too some of these people with the perfect pictures and stuff they do um have like billions of followers but it's not like a true genuine in my opinion, following. They're following you because they want to look at you in a bikini on a daily basis. They want to look at your weird, whatever you're doing. Um, yeah. And so I like I would rather have like a small, real, genuine community than have billions of people who are surface area. You know what I'm saying? No, a hundred, and you built that. Like, did you Thanks. ever, is this what you ever thought? Like, where do you see this going? Like, what do you ultimately <laughs> want to do? I would listen. I would love to be an actress. I really would. You should be. I would love to. My roles would obviously be very specific, like <laughs> the weird, loud neighbor. Like I wouldn't be Black Widow, but <laughs> I would love to be an actress. But I live in Sarasota, Florida, and I don't have like a team or an agent or anybody. I don't ever like pursue auditions. Put it out. It's, You're putting it out there. It's just something I sit at my house and talk about. So no. more yeah. than li- likely, I would like to keep doing this for as long as I can. And then if the internet ever shuts down or I become irrelevant, then I would like to um, go to school to be a drug and addiction counselor and have my own office and meet people. Yes, because the way that you present things, like you do it with humor, but you're talk, like, talking about serious issues that like 
may be uncomfortable to talk about, but you make it like funny and it, I feel like it <clears throat> puts people's guards down. So you would be amazing at that. Thank you. Maybe on the days that you're not acting. Yeah, so, on the so, days that me and Brad Pitt aren't in Barbados. Yes, I wanted to also ask you, so you have the Take It or Leave It podcast with Meredith. Yes. Who is your, if you could put, have anybody on there, um, who's your dream guest? My dream guest? Yeah, if you were like, they're like tomorrow, anyone you want will come on. Who do you bring on? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a parenting podcast, so it wouldn't make sense for me to say Dave Matthews, but I love him. <laughs> I mean, he's a parent. That. He's a parent. But um, I don't know. I think that, you know who I would love to talk to? Um, I would love to talk to Russell Brand. If I ever get my own podcast that has to do with like addiction and recovery, which is yeah. something that we're working on, like a mental health podcast on like branched like on my own me and Meredith have this and I have this I would love to sit down and talk to Russell Brand I think his mind is so like unique and vast and he's also in recovery and he has such an interesting way of speaking on subjects so I would love to chat with him and it's it's you say in recovery and I totally get that like you're you've been sober we say eight years uh almost in almost November it'll be eight years but you don't say recovered and I can relate to that so much because <sighs> I haven't been bulimic uh, in 14 years, but it's like the mindset you still, it's with you and you oh, yeah. have to, it's a struggle every day. <clears throat> and I do worry about that. I didn't get treatment and I worried about that. Like putting my book out I, <laughs> with the negative comments. I got all these great comments on Amazon. And then one eating disorder professional was like, this woman has no right to talk about recovery when she's not a professional, you should be speaking about it in line with the way that professionals see recovery. And I did, I defend myself and I was like, I'm just sharing my story. I didn't get treatment, but I stopped doing it. So here's how I stopped doing that. And maybe it will inspire somebody else. But I do worry about that, that I never got professional treatment. And it is something that will always be with me. I worry about with my daughter. Did you ever learn anything like with, um, in your recovery and, and in your meetings, like should I have ever, talk to a professional about it like can it creep back up is this something that i don't know i just uh, kind of <clears> stopped <throat> and i never talked to anyone about it until i told people i first of all <clears throat> don't let that one random lady make you second guess yourself um but i when i went to rehab for the first time it was a dual diagnosis rehab so one half of the wing was people with addiction and alcohol and the other half was people with eating disorders and wow. this, this is the only experience that I've ever had with anybody with an eating disorder, but I befriended a girl named Emily who I love so much. She um, had an eating disorder. She actually was like coming down the hallway with like this thingy. Yeah. And, and I was like, what is this thing you're toting around with you? And she, I don't want to trigger anybody or whatever, but no. <clears throat> she had, she was being fed wow. through it. And she explained it to me and the similarities were so similar to addiction and what it is. And I think that not every single person who has gotten clean and sober has gone through rehab. There are people who have done it without that. Um, and I think the same can be said for people with eating disorders. Yeah. Only you can determine whether or not it's a problem. If you're constantly fighting those urges every yeah. single day, then heck yeah, get some help, dude. Why not? Right. 
But if you have managed to find a way to keep it at bay, and I think that by talking about it is incredibly yes. therapeutic. Yes. Being transparent about it is huge because our secrets are what keep us sick. So I, I would, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting involved with people who have experience in the area and can uplift you and inspire you to keep going. I have people like that for me in sobriety. Um, but our brains are weird and they're tricky and, um, with what you do, it's interesting to me because, <clears throat> and this might be totally unprofessional and inappropriate, and I've actually never admitted it Bring it to anybody ever. Um, <clears throat> but recently, with this personal trainer, I've got accountability. And every week I sent him these pictures of before the week, yeah. uh, last week, and this week. And when I first started, I was so afraid of disappointing him like I had messed up a couple of times and it actually like crossed my mind. Okay. I have to get this out of me because I made a mistake and I ate all this food and I ate way too much and it's going to ruin everything I've worked for. So I have to get this out of me. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That's no. as far as it went was the it, thoughts. Yes. But that, but that's what I'm wondering with you now that you have this following and this pressure I could see why it might be tempting at times if you mess up a lot or whatever to revert back to those old ideas. I feel like I've gotten to the point, I don't even think about it anymore because I have found, finally found that balance. But what you're describing, I, I have to send you my book. I was homecoming queen, I was prom queen, I was captain of the soccer team, I was all the things. And that pressure to be perfect, and again, firstborn, obsessive personality, like I, bought into it like i had to be this perfect person and i start i got my period late and i started gaining weight and i wasn't like this perfect person anymore and so i started controlling my food and it went from i don't know if you heard of exercise bulimia where you basically work off the exact amount of calories that you ate like i would i had these little note cards and i would be like oh, 300 calories so then i go on the elliptical 300 calories canceled out that evolved oh, wow. to actual anorexia where I wouldn't eat. There was a point in my life where I didn't eat carrots because it was a starchy carbohydrate. Then mm. um, the bulimia started. I was a division one soccer player in college. My whole life, all I cared about was um, soccer. And then when I went to college, I was working my ass off and I wasn't playing. And everything that I identified with as a soccer player, it, it wasn't there. So I quit and it spiraled into depression, bulimia, because I didn't have my identity anymore. And I didn't really even realize it until I started writing my book, like how much of an effect quitting soccer and losing that identity. Like I wasn't a student athlete anymore. I had to go work out at like the regular gym where regular students work out, not like in the athlete building. And it was such, I played since I was four and I felt like I let everybody down. And then bulimia was again, like something that I could, could control and nobody knew about it. And like you said, it's, it's such a, it's disgusting. Like I would never want anybody to know what I was doing. It's so secretive mm -hmm. and I would never, I never planned on telling anyone. And then I was writing my book on how I got in the best shape of my life later in life, finding balance. And I got a writing coach and all of my book was supposed to be like the second part that it ended up being. There was no first part about my story. And the writing coach kept saying like, you have no credibility. How does anybody know you weren't always in shape? I was like, Oh, I never talked about it. So I was like, I'm not, I just want to help women lift heavy, eat more often, everything we're talking about. Like I found a formula to work and she's like, you need to tell your story. And I kept fighting her. And then we were on a call one day and I just said it out loud. I'd never told anyone. And she just took a minute. She was like, okay, she goes, that's your book. 
And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I'll have to sit down with my family. Nobody has a clue. And I sat on it for a couple of days. And as soon as I wrote it, Tiffany, it was out. Like, I, I wrote it. I didn't even tell anybody. I wrote it. And I just felt then I could say it. I told my husband. I told my parents, like, this book is coming out. They know I was kind of struggling, but nobody knew. I was bulimic for 10 years, and nobody knew. And I, I got it out there, and I just wow. feel now so many women that have read my book have reached out to me and said, you're the only person that I've told that I have this eating disorder because it's like with you. When you feel you see yourself in someone else, you feel safe, you feel secure, and it resonates with someone, mm -hmm. and that's how your following kind of just comes together, and it just organically became me helping women. I never – the fact that I am like helping women like find a healthier lifestyle when that's what I was doing, like my twenties and early thirties, like, come on. Like, it's right. crazy. It's like, I'm sure it's same with you. Like you're, you're now like helping other people live a healthy lifestyle and stay sober. You're like, you could have probably never saw that coming. No, never, never in a million years. But it's what you're uh, supposed to do. Yeah. I, um, my battery was just dying. I'm paranoid. I probably no, could have just fine. not said uh, anything. Meredith and I talked for two hours. And my, my phone literally died. And she's like, are you okay? I was just walking around. Because I was like, I'm trying to find a plug to plug this in because you're about to <laughs> Oh, my God. It's fine. Um, okay. She actually had sent some questions, but I didn't get to them. She really, um, she really hates when people put the cart before the horse, you know. She really gets her goat. And um, Oh, my gosh. Not you, too. But she Did really she... thinks you're the bee's knees, Tiffany. And <laughs> Oh, Meredith? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, just saying things like that and randomly. Oh my God, she drives me really nuts. Pajamas and she, she talks like somebody who lives in a different realm of time. The weird <laughs> things she, the weird, I can't stand it, but I love it. I just, I love her. You, it makes you me guys laugh. together? She just messaged you on Facebook and now you guys have a podcast together? No, well, before, yeah. We were friends before that. We had... Oh! No, well, okay, that's not true. I didn't... I wasn't crazy about her when I first met her. When I first started making videos, she reached out to me and invited me on a lunch date, and I was so honored. And then we got there, and it was an intervention. And she's like, hey, I see... She brought her husband and her son, her husband, who's her business manager. And she's like, hey, I see that you're doing, like, all these giveaways on your page, and she was, she just started giving me advice. And at first I was like, so offended because I'm like, right. who the heck is this lady dude? But she was 100% right. I was promoting a business every week and give it like, I'm like, okay, everybody go follow this business page. And at the end of the week, one of you is going to get a t-shirt. So the business person was getting all these new likes on their page and I got nothing for it, which was fine. Cause that wasn't why I was doing it. But Meredith's like, you, there's stop, something people, here that you could be capitalizing. People are going to take advantage of you. And, <clears throat> and oh. so anyway, so then we found out we lived really close to each other. And so we started collabing and it wasn't until like halfway through season one that I confessed on air that it wasn't until that pre like, even when we started the podcast, I didn't think we were friends. I thought we were business partners. Like I didn't realize the nature of our relationship because she was very business minded. And every conversation we had had to do with videos or podcasts. It wasn't like we were calling to talk about the weather or anything. But then one time we went on a trip for our podcast to Legoland yeah. and she genuinely like cared about me and was like worried about me. I was fighting with my husband or something. And she like showed 
like this maternal kind side and I just softened up Michelle and we've been best friends ever since. I love that. So yeah. Um, take it or leave it, right? <clears throat> they can get it anywhere. Yeah. All those I like all the platforms, pod beans, Spotify. I don't know. Um, I suck at this. I feel like you've given me your advice. Like I was gonna ask you about how you handle the negativity and my two ones were how you handle the negativity and how you focus on your brand and content creation when your kids are sitting right there and not feel like a terrible mom. Cause that's how yeah. I'm, my daughter was ringing a bell today. And I was yeah. just be present. Like she's trying to get your attention. And I was like, just one sec. I feel like I'm always like just one second. Cause I just want to finish in there. I hate that. And every night when I go to bed, I'm like, be present tomorrow, but it's so hard. Well, I, here's the thing. If, if I were to work outside of the home, I wouldn't be here and I'd still be providing for our family. But yeah. because my job entitles me to be home, I don't have the option of being absent from my kids. And so that's where the guilt kicks in. Should I be hanging out with them? And I yeah. think like, well, I'm doing this so that hopefully they have what they need in life and we have food on the table and stuff. It's for them. But I do find myself using that as an excuse to like yeah. scroll extra long to get like Hard. inspiration. You know what I mean? No. It's so there there's a tough balance and I'm not doing a great job of it, but I think that just being aware of it and making an effort to put your phone down and go lay down on the floor with your kids and do stuff that doesn't sound exciting to you at all, but would mean so much to them. That's something that I've been trying to do a lot more of. Same girl. You are so amazing. I know you're sick. Uh, I you are. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I no really appreciate problem. it. Um, is your new book out? No, we don't know what's going on there. I need a writing coach. Give me that person's number because oh, I need help. God. I got <laughs> Tiffany, I got you. She's okay. in LA and I never met her, but she would almost like, she knows my, she knew my whole secrets before anybody else did. She's fantastic. Uh, Done. I got you. Awesome. Thank okay. you. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you. It officially. was so nice meeting you too. Thank you so much for listening to my first episode of Squats and Margaritas. Please, please subscribe. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the WTOP app, the Podcast One app. And stay in touch with me. Follow me on Instagram, Squats and Margaritas. You can subscribe to my blog, squatsandmargaritas.com. Oh, and did anyone notice a familiar voice singing on my theme music? <laughs> the first person to identify who is singing on my theme music uh, wins a Squats and Margaritas tank top. You're welcome. Please, please don't forget to subscribe or you'll miss next week's episode with the senior vice president of media for the Washington football team, Julie Donaldson. I just come right out and ask her, was she hesitant to take this job with the team in such a negative spotlight right now? Um, and has she even processed yet being the first woman to be a regular on an NFL radio broadcast? See you next week.